So let's open our Bibles tonight. We are in a series called In Training. In Training. Okay, I see we've lost a few people in our training class. So get the word out. And, you know, sometimes training gets difficult. But we are in training. This is our fourth installment of this particular teaching. Uh, 1 Timothy uh, chapter 4. And we look at verse 7 and verse 8. But refuse profane and old wise fables and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. For bodily exercise profits little. Now that doesn't say that just because bodily exercise profits little, you're not to do any of it. I discovered that bodily exercise is a very good thing for this guy right here. It, it just completely helps me. But bodily exercise profits little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. Now let's look at this in the message uh, version, if you could. Pull it up for us, Greg. Praise the Lord. Aren't you glad for our technicians up there? They do such a great job. Amen. So we're going we're gonna to pull it up in the message. It says, stay clear of silly stories that get dressed up as religion. Exercise daily in God. No spiritual flabbiness, please. And, and then in verse 8. Workouts in the gymnasium are useful, but a disciplined life in God is far more so making you fit both today and forever. Now shortly then... After you begin training, after you start adopting some of the spiritual disciplines that we're talking about here on Wednesday night, you should start to feel the effects of it. Spiritual training has a goal. I believe that it is the will of God for His people to be happy, to be stable, to be fruitful, and blessed to the degree that we become blessings in the community in which we live. You know, how many of you know that along the way in life, you just don't go directly to where things start happening like that all the time? Suddenly, it just don't happen like this all the time. But there is a process to growth. And growth begins to happen as you diligently discipline yourself and do some of the things we've been talking about over and over and over again over a period of time to where it becomes a habit and it becomes a way of life. Now when I say when something becomes a habit like reading the Word, studying the Word, and meditating the Word, we're not talking about a habit to where it becomes being done by rote or being as a ritual, because Christianity is not a ritual. Christianity is a relationship. And so we ought to have a loving relationship with the Word. We ought to have a loving relationship with the Lord, with the Holy Spirit, and fill our lives with the thoughts of God. 66 books of higher thoughts. The thoughts of God. Think about it. You have been given the privilege of feeding on life-changing words that will literally redirect the course of your life and make you and put you in a plain path. 
Your outcome and my outcome in life is largely determined by three things. Number one, how I think. Number two, how we speak. And then number three, what we do. What we do. And so spiritual training then, or disciplines, or practices, must be something that is ongoing in our life. Amen. And the cool thing about it is, is you've got the best trainer in the whole world. You've got the best trainer living on the inside of you. The Holy Spirit is right there with you every day, all the way, teaching you, counseling you, strengthening you. Come on, somebody. Helping you. (laughs) Amen. Upholding you and enabling you to fulfill what God has put in your heart and put in your life. So we talked, you know, limitedly, and we'll move on from there, but one discipline is study. The next thing we're going to talk about is we're going to talk about prayer. I believe that as believers, all of us ought to have some kind of a prayer life. And so, you know, you could get into a lot of different definitions of prayer, but basically prayer is simply conversing and communing with God. Think about it. All I can say is, wow. We have the privilege of communicating with a supernatural God. He has made us in His image and in His likeness. You are not natural beings. You are supernatural beings in God, in the God class. Therefore, you can communicate with your Heavenly Father. Prayer is communicating. Prayer is conversing with God. What a privilege it is. Now, there's a, there's a couple sides to prayer. There's a couple things about prayer that we, we, we want to talk about. Um, prayer, oftentimes, people pray because of the fact that life simply happens. The reality of a situation or the reality of a circumstance may seems like it just comes out of nowhere. And we could call that, you know, situational or reactionary praying. And I'm a firm believer in reactionary praying. I'm a firm believer when something comes up, we ought to have something rise up on the inside of us. Because as sure as we're sitting here and I'm standing here tonight, things are going to come up. Literally come up, come up from hell. Amen. And so that's why you and I must be prayed up when things come up so we can shut up the devil. So reactionary prayer and and, and situational prayer, that's important. That is so very vital. But then there is the other side of prayer, and that is the discipline of prayer to where prayer becomes habitual. You see, Because life happens, reality is going to move you in a direction. Reality is either going to move you toward God or away from God. Come on, somebody. And hopefully, it'll move us toward Him. And by the way, this is a church where love reigns and where Jesus is Lord. 
And not everybody that has ever walked in these doors when life happens and reality knocks on their doors have moved toward God. Instead, many times people move away from God. Right? And as a result of moving away from God, they get further away from God than they should be. But oh, just like the prodigal son, many of them in this day and this hour are going to wake up. We're praying for an awakening. That includes them. And they're going to wake up and they're going to come to their senses and they're going to say, you know what? I never should have left that church. I never should have left that place of prayer. I am going to back to my father's house where I know I can get some good food and I can get some help from heaven. That's happening today. The Holy Spirit is dealing with people all over the Bay Area, not just to come back to this place, but to come back to their roots, to back to their place. Because there is a supply in the house of God. There's answers in the Word of God. See, what happens is sometimes people like to wander off and see what's down the street. You remember as a kid? Sometimes, you know, I grew up in a neighborhood in South Minneapolis and, you know, we had alleys and we like to explore. And we like to see what was going on. So, you know, we'd go down the street and go over to a house and all of a sudden a big dog jumps out at us. Man, we went right back to our house. And that's what's happening with a lot of people right now. There's some dogs out there. There's a roaring lion walking about seeking he knew me may devour. Some of them are having near-death situations, but they're coming to their senses and they're running back to God. And when they run back to the house of God, we ought not to be like the elder brother standing at the back door saying, I told you, you never should have left. Where is the love of God in that? But the love of God invites people and says, oh man, it's good to see you. Let's go have lunch. Is there anything I can do for you? How can I serve you? That's the love of God. That's the mercy of God. So that's one kind of prayer. But the other kind of prayer is the development of a habit. It's not reactive. It's it's not situational. It's it's devotional. It's something that we do every day. In Luke 18.1, Jesus said that men ought always to pray... And as a result, if they have a spirit of prayer about them, they will not faint. One translation says they will not lose heart. You ever been tempted to lose heart? I've discovered that the times I've been tempted to lose heart are those times where I've let certain spiritual disciplines depart. Are you here? Now I'm a preacher and I preach this and I preach it for 30 years. I don't have a choice whether I'm going to preach or not on a Sunday morning or a Sunday night or a Wednesday night. If I feel like it, I still, woe is me if I preach not the gospel. But there's a difference between being in the pulpit and being in my home. Are you listening? I live in the same world you live in. And so I must not only be filled with the word of God and filled with the spirit of God to deliver the word to you, but I must be filled with the word and filled with the spirit to live a victorious life for my individual life. 
And there's been times where I've been tempted to lose heart. And that's why he said in Proverbs 4, My son, let them not depart from before thine eyes. Keep my word in the midst of thy heart. For they are life to those that find them and health to all their flesh. A prayerless life is a weak life. A prayerless life is a life that is wanting for strength and wanting for victory. And that is why he tells us in the Word of God that men ought to always pray and not lose heart and not grow faint in their prayer life. The main issue, I believe, in our lives oftentimes, you know, it's one thing to go to a Sunday school class or come to a Sunday morning and the pastor's up there preaching, he's getting full of fire and he's leading you in a bunch of confessions and we're all declaring that God meets our need according to his riches and glory. God is our source, but really in reality, is he really our source? In the midnight hour, where do you go? When the pressure's on, is he still your source? And when you live a life of prayer, here's what happens. What you're telling God daily, God, you're my source. And when you really have him as the focal point of your life, there'll be no question about it. You'll have his presence, you'll have his power, you'll have his wisdom, you will be stable, you will be blessed, and you will be a blessing. So prayer as a practice, prayer as a discipline. In Daniel 6, chapter, chapter, uh, chapter 6, verse 10, something interesting about Daniel. How many remember that Daniel, the Bible says, had an excellent spirit. He had an excellent spirit. Daniel also had this attitude that I'm not going to compromise. You may tell me not to pray, but you know what? God is first and he's my source of protection and I'm going to pray no matter what you say. Amen? And in Daniel chapter 6 verse 10, it says this, And in his upper room with his windows open toward Jerusalem... He knelt down on his knees, how many times a day? Three times that day, and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as his custom was since his early days. So this is a discipline that was in Daniel's life. He had the discipline of prayer. Colossians, the fourth chapter and the second verse says this, Continue earnestly in prayer and be vigilant in your prayer life and do it with thanksgiving, with a spirit of thanksgiving. So prayer, this discipline, being in training in prayer, prayer is a behavior. It's a learned behavior. It's a skill that you develop over a period of time. You know, the disciples came to the master and they said, Lord Jesus, teach us to pray. We want to learn how to pray. You know why they so desperately wanted to learn to pray? Because they saw prayer modeled through him. Amen. The book of Mark says 
that Jesus rose up a great while before day. And he went into a solitary place and there prayed. He went into a solitary place and there conversed with God, communed with God. And when he left that solitary place, fully plugged into the power and fully plugged into the source, he went from that place and miracle upon miracle and miracle upon miracle happened through his life. If we ever want to get to a solid place of miracles at Heart of the Bay, we need to get to a more firmer, solid place of prayer. And it cannot just be a few people. It cannot just be us four and no more. But it's got to be a solid front. Everyone stepping up, first of all, in their individual life. And then corporately when we come together, oh, glory to God. We'll have the Spirit of God. And we will have what God would have us to have. Amen. So. Let's learn, let's look at Mark chapter 1, verse 35. Simple message tonight. But we all need to be reminded of it. Not a condemning message, but an exhortive message. I'm exhorting myself while I'm exhorting you. Amen? Notice this in Mark 1, 35 again. It says, Now in the morning, having risen a great while before day, he went out and departed to a solitary place. And what did he do? There... He prayed. Now here's some, here's some practical tips for prayer. I believe that when we are praying, we need to have a time and a place. A place of solitude where it's just you and God. Just you and God. And I'm looking at a gentleman over there that goes for a walk every morning. He walks a few miles every day. And I know this person. So I am sure that on his walk, he is not wasting time i'm sure on his walk he's talking to god amen so your place of solitude doesn't necessarily need to be your closet in your home amen but your place of solitude your place of prayer ought to be a place that you're comfortable in a place that you can commune with god in amen and you know what works for one person doesn't always work for another person you know we live in the western culture right Well, back in 1985, Brenda and I boarded a jet and went to Seoul, Korea. And uh, we sat under Dr. Cho's ministry. Dr. Cho has the largest church in the whole world. And that church is built on prayer. Okay? So probably every day since Odd and Fintum, they have had early morning prayer at 5, 6 o'clock in the morning. Okay? That's the Eastern culture. I believe in good early morning prayer. But when we had early morning prayer, there were people sacked out. And there may be seasons, come on, where you do that, but you don't do something just because someone else did it. You do something because you're led to do it. (coughs) The Bible says as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And then... Years ago, there was a gentleman by the name of Larry Lee. Bless Larry Lee's heart. God used him. Man of God, he used him. And one of the things that that Brother Lee had was this prayer model, this template of prayer, based on the Our Father. 
And the big move back in the 80s was, is, you know, everyone needs to pray at least an hour. And you sort of felt like if you didn't pray an hour, you couldn't be spiritual. You know? And then there was this real strong teaching, you know, uh, from the book of Matthew, could you not tarry one hour? And the principle of it was good, that we should tarry and wait on the Lord for at least an hour a day. But you know what? The reality of it is, if people do 10, 15 minutes, they're doing pretty good. Amen. Some people are more given to prayer. They may have a prayer assignment on their life. Are you listening to me? Where they're praying several hours a day and they have time to do that. But I've never prayed seven hours in a row in one day in my life. I suppose if I was hanging on a cliff with one hand, I could pray for seven hours. But prayer is not about ritual. It is not about legalism. Prayer is a lifestyle. To where you live your life of prayer. You don't go very long without praying. Because you are living in the atmosphere of communion with God. Amen. And so don't don't get hung up on what somebody else is doing. You just be yourself. And you develop this discipline of prayer in your own life right here and right now. Are you listening to me? There's a lot of folks, you know, that get hung up in vain repetitions. You know, Jesus warned about that. He said, you think that you'll be heard because of your much speaking or your vain repetitions. And prayer is like, oh, God, move some way, somehow. Move some way, somehow. Dad Hagen said he had a pastor that prayed that prayer and finally got frustrated. He prayed, Lord, move some way, somehow. Finally, he said, oh, Lord, move by some hook or by some crook. (laughs) Well, God doesn't move by hooks and doesn't move by crooks. You ever been around a person that can talk a lot? I mean, they can talk a bunch and not say a word. Are you listening? Just, just, whew. In the name of the Father and the Son. Hey, just talk, 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 talk. And yet, there's prayers that say little. But when they say something, it means a lot. I've been in prayer meetings, you know, before in big assemblies of prayer. And, uh, you know, all the prayers were there with their prayer faces on. And they had just a real intense look on their face. And, oh boy, you know, we're going to pray all night. You know, it's good if God leads you to do that. You understand? And just, you know, but I didn't feel a lot of joy. Just, her. You know, just... The man of God got up, who's a prophet of God. He says, we'll take care of this situation right now in the name of Jesus. Prayed a powerful prayer. And what everyone was so viciously attacking was taken care of just like that. Are you listening to me? So, anyway. So, we need to learn to pray by ourselves. As well as corporately. And you can't pray by yourself with a bunch of distractions. 
Most people don't stay in the presence long enough to be still in prayer. Henry Newman said this. This is interesting. He says, now, when you go to pray, your thoughts jump around in your mind like monkeys jumping around on banana trees. You ever been there? Okay, we're going to pray. I'm going to pray right now. Phone rings. Alarm goes off on your iPad. All these thoughts, all these things. What they're like is monkeys jumping around on banana trees. I think we need to take some time to let the monkeys settle down. To where we settle down, center in, settle down, and then center up on Him. You know what works for me sometimes is I just take a few breaths and breathe. And I'll just lift my hands laying in bed and I'll just focus on Him. And, you know, oftentimes when I pray, it, it could be the middle of the night or it could be very early morning. When our boys were young and Brenda would pray and I would pray, Brenda didn't get up in the middle of the night and say, Oh, God, thank you. <laughs> Hallelujah. Wake up the whole neighborhood. Uh-uh. You don't have to pray loud to be effective. Now, there's times where the spirit of boldness, spirit of God come upon you, and you will be loud. But it's normally not at three in the morning when people are sleeping. (laughs) Settle in. Center up. Remember this, that your speech really dominates your brain. You can bump out certain thoughts that come to your mind. You know how you do it? By speaking the word. Or just saying the name. Lord Jesus, I worship you today. Heavenly Father, I hallow your name. I lift you up. I thank you what you've done for me through Jesus on Calvary. I thank you that you are The God is more than enough. I worship you today that you are my healer. That you are my strength. Thank you, Lord. Try that on for size right now. Just go ahead and just start hallowing his name. Thank you, Father. We worship you today. Oh, we give you the glory. We thank you and we magnify your holy name. Glory to God. Just whisper his name right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, we worship you. Now, when you're praying, understand that prayer is an incredible privilege, but I want to talk to you about the balance between boldness and reverence. In your prayer life, there's a you'll come into a balance between bold and being reverent. You know, sometimes I've been around people that I don't know what it is, whether it's their insecurities or what, but, I mean, they're just trying to put on a show with their prayer life. You know, just trying to put on this boldness. And you want to say, wind down there, Scooter, a minute, you know. <laughs> just settle, settle down here, boy. You know, you know, nobody here you need to impress. Amen? <laughs> In Hebrews 4, 16, the Bible does talk about boldness. It says, come boldly to the throne of grace. 
that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. Hebrews 10 says, Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter into the holiness by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us. Aren't you glad that you have a way into the presence of God? But I believe in the presence of God. We don't need to be hasty. We don't need to be rash. We don't need to go before God and be demanding. Well, God, you said your word, bless God. You're going to do this. You better do it. Who are you talking to? That's not the right spirit. That's irreverent. You see, I believe boldness is to be demonstrated in three areas. Number one, bold toward God with an attitude of honor. I believe we need to be bold toward men. Not obnoxious, but bold. The Bible says the righteous are bold as a lion. And then we need to be bold toward devils, demons, and evil spirits. You want to get nasty? You want to get stirred up? Get nasty with the devil. In Ecclesiastes 5.2, I want you to look at this in the New King James Version. New King James Version. Ecclesiastes 5.2 says this. It says, don't be rash with your mouth. And don't let your heart utter anything hastily before God. I think that oftentimes in people's prayer lives, there's too much haste. Too much hurry. The scripture says that he that believeth shall not make haste. You know, I believe this, that before we talk to God, even in the area of supplication, and before we go before the throne of grace and ask him for something, I believe we ought to have a firm foundation that we're standing on. And that firm foundation is the word. I believe firmly that we ought not to be so quick to pray for healing before we get healing scriptures in our heart. Now, sometimes it's an emergency, it's reactional, it's situational. It's got to be done like that. But that ought to be done out of the reservoir and out of the abundance of the deposit that's already in the heart. And I've seen it over the years. People come to church, they have a desperate need and they're in desperate straits. And I've seen God work miracles just like that. But then I've seen those same people just come to God for prayer and then you don't see them another year. There's no foundation. There's nothing that will last in their lives when the storm knocks on their door again. So he says here, don't be rash with your mouth. Let not your heart utter anything hastily before God. God is in heaven and you're on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. Come with boldness. Come with reverence. The main thing you need to do is just keep coming. You know what the main problem with this prayer is? Is people don't do it. Clinics on prayer. Prayer seminars. Thousands, hundreds of millions of dollars spent on books on prayer. Prayer conferences. Prayer warriors. But the bottom line, I'll tell you the truth about it. For the most part, the body of Christ is a prayerless body. I'm not talking about you. And I'm not talking about the core of people that are sold out for God. 
But the truth be known, most of the body of Christ doesn't even think about tithing. They don't think about praying. They live their lives in a reactionary, situational life. They let life happen to them rather than rising up and taking control through their covenant they have with God. But don't let it be said about this bunch. I said, don't let it be said about this bunch here at Heart of the Bay. Amen? So come with boldness. Come with reverence. But make sure that you come. Remember that song? What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. And because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Years ago, someone came up with the acrostic, and I'm running out of time tonight. But we're going to look at this, not this coming Wednesday, but the next Wednesday. But this acrostic is the word ACTS, and it deals with prayer. A-C-T-S. The A stands for adoration. The C stands for confession. The T stands for thanksgiving. The S stands for supplication. And then I'll add an S on the end. The other S stands for spirit. And we're going to look at these various factors of prayer. It's very, very important. For example, Thanksgiving. There's a proverb that says this. He who doesn't appreciate the small things doesn't deserve big things. Look in closing at Psalm 104 in two different translations. You know, I've got a Mac at home, and I've got an iPad, and I've got so many passwords that I had to set up a password document. You know? I had to call Jane the other day, and I said, what's the password for American Express? You know, because I'm checking flights and everything. We want to go to Africa or Singapore, one of the two, one of these days. And so we're just circling the city and praying about it. And uh, so I wanted to get into the password and look at flights and different things like that. I forgot what it was. She gave me the password, so I was able to get in. See, without a password, you can get locked out. Sunday night, we did this awesome presentation. Were you here? Were you blessed? So, we were trying to figure out how many people have downloaded free teaching, you know, off our website. Right? You go on our website, heartofthebay.org. You see audio, you see video, you go to audio, you can download just about everything we have for free. Praise the Lord. And so we thought it would be a good idea to count that and to rehearse that because we have over 60 countries looking in on us. But we lost the password. So we had to go through a lot of different things then to regroup and to get the password back so that we can get in. We still don't have the password. Said all that to say this. Look at, look at Psalm 100, verse 4. He says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving, and into his courts with what? Be thankful to him, <laughs> and bless his name. Now look at the message translation. Glory to God. Enter with the password. Enter with the password. 
The password is thank you. Make yourselves at home. Talk in praise. Thank Him and worship Him. In the name of Jesus, you and I have the password where we can go into the Holy of Holies, where we can go into the throne of grace. Access is no longer denied through a new and living way by the blood of Jesus. So, enter the password. But how many times do we as Christians forget the password? The password is simple. A lifestyle of thanksgiving positions us for more of God. If you want to receive more of Him and more of God, cultivate a lifestyle of thanksgiving. Let's stand up and thank Him just for a few moments tonight. Thank you, Lord. Enter the password. Come on, let's enter in. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Real strong now. Thank you, Lord, for my breath. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. You gave us something to eat today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for strength. Woo! Glory, 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 glory. Enter with the password. (laughs) Thank you. Just think about that tomorrow morning. You can just say, thank you, Lord. Don't make it difficult. Just enjoy your relationship. The relationship with the Lord is supposed to be light and easy, not legalistic and all queasy. Enter in with the password. Amen. That word, thank you, is also a password that will get you into great favor, not only with God, but also with man. It will. Treat people in the marketplace like you would want to be treated. I've seen them perk up, man. I've seen them perk up. Little Martin today, short little fella. I greeted him out there in the parking lot. And I said, hello, sir. Called him sir twice. He just perked right up. May not have been called sir for 20 years. And I'm not doing that to manipulate him. I'm doing that to respect him and to honor him. And that's the way we should treat people. That's the way we should treat waiters and waitresses. I said I wanted this. Well, who in the world do you think you are? Demanding this and demanding that and then leaving a Pentecostal $1 bill. I know that's good preaching right there. <laughs> it'll, this password of Thanksgiving, it'll get you some places. It'll get you some places now. I mean, where there is no ticket out there in the airlines and the airways, you come up to the desk and smile real big and everybody's been gnawing on that person all day long. And you walk up and smile. Talk to them with respect. You may be put in first class before the day is out. Amen. The password is thank you. And I think in a church like this, we ought to be thankful for one another. 
I'm thankful for the people that serve in this church. Serving is an act of worship. We have equated ministry with what I'm doing, but this is a very small part of ministry. It is. Thank God for it, but it's a very small part of it. And we have equated worship with what we did earlier in thanking and praising God. And that's part of it. But that's not all of worship. Worship is a spiritual, decisive presentation of our bodies, our time, our talents, our service unto Him with great respect. And so, you see someone around here doing some housekeeping duties... On one of these service teams? You see, you go pick up your children tonight, and that service team, wherever you see a service team, you know what they're doing in there right now? They may be changing a diaper, but they're serving, and that's worship. That is worship. And that's what we need to see as a body. That whatever we do, we do it hardly as unto the Lord and not unto man. Lord, I'm worshiping you today at the back door. I'm worshiping you. You see some people sweeping up the place? See some people outside cleaning up the grounds? You know what they're doing? They're worshiping. Amen. That's good. That's good. We got a house of worshipers. Amen. Amen. And there's more on the way. Amen. Say it with me. Thank God there's more on the way. Glory, 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 glory. Amen.